Father, we just thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord, above all that you are our Father and not that wicked one. You told the Pharisees you are of your father, the devil. But we just thank you, Father, there was a change of fatherhood at some point in each one of our lives. You became our father. Ultimately, in eternity, nothing else matters but who is our father. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. All the things we worry about, all the things we are anxious about, all the things we pursue, everything could change in an instant if you were to come now, Lord. Therefore, Father, I pray our hearts and our minds would be lifted to you. That we would be focused. Looking (coughs) unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto you this morning. Teach us, speak to us, reveal to us the things that have been hindering us for years and years. That stops us from growing in our fullness in Christ. To grow is your command in grace, in the knowledge of God. Show us, Lord. Teach us. And break it in us, Lord, that we may be all that you purposed us to be in eternity past. To that end, each one of us here surrender ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So keep listening, keep taking notes, keep breaking. We saw and we know the devil comes and his purpose is very clear. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. His primary intention is destruction. Destruction that we never rise again. Our generations never rise again. But Christ when he comes and even this morning when he has come, he comes to give life. More life. More life. And more life. Life in abundance. His life. Which is the life that overcomes sin, Satan and the world. And we saw various ways in which destruction comes. Primary way is ignorance. Okay, ignorance, destruction comes because of lack of knowledge of God and how his kingdom works. Okay, that's why we are very protective of our little ones. When they start crawling, we watch them like a hawk because we know they do not know the things that are around. They can slip off the bed, slip down the stairs. They do not know and we know it can truly harm them. Okay, in the same way, ignorance of how God's kingdom works and how the enemy operates can bring loss, death, destruction. Another way is pride goes before destruction. Because even to receive any knowledge anywhere, even in the world, but above all in the kingdom of God, fundamental nature that God requires is humility. Because to receive the word of God, which is truth, It requires meekness. It requires humility. Why? Because the truth is not easy. When Jesus said 
the gate is straight, the path is narrow. Very few will find it. We need to ask, why is it so? The way to life. Very few will find it. It's not that very few will get saved. Very few will reach the end that God had purpose for us on earth. That is that life of Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To reach there, every day we have to encounter truth. And truth is not easy to encounter. Because the truth is about who God is and who we are. And what we don't like is not who God is, but who we are. When we really, really get to know who we are. A man, a man about whom God says, there was a man called Job in the land of Uz, who is perfect, blameless, upright, blameless, who shunned evil. That's his testimony. What does he say when God shows him his heart? I abhor myself. None of us here sitting is anywhere close to Job. If God were to reveal my heart and your heart to ourselves, we would abhor ourselves and repent in ashes. That's the truth. That's the truth about ourselves. We are sitting so nice and calm because we don't know who we are. That's why David was able to say in Psalm 51, Lord, you seek truth in the inward parts. He says, I didn't realize, I don't want this heart cleaned. Create in me, create a new heart. It's only when Nathan came and exposed him, he realized, you know what? I never realized this is who I was. Many of the things we don't do is because we don't have the power to do it. But all of us at the core, the old man, is exactly the same. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, capable of doing the wildest of things. Okay. So on the way to life, there is this in this road, there is something called truth. And we need to encounter truth. And only God alone knows our heart. Even I myself don't know my heart. He's the revealer of our hearts. So he will show. He will show. You know why? He's not here to condemn us. He's here to encourage us to finish that race because there are things promised for everyone who overcomes. So when it comes to pride, it's a destroyer. Even good people like Uzziah, because of pride, lived for years and years and died as a leper because they refused to humble themselves. Though the God of Israel was a God who healed leprosy. God who healed leprosy. But his pride refused, caused him to refuse to acknowledge it. Therefore he lived and died. So pride is a killer. The other thing is what we call curses destroy. Because when man sinned, automatically it triggered a lot of things. One of the things that triggers for man's sin, disobedience, rebellion, is curses starts operating. We call it the law of first mention. In Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you can practically find every issue of life. When man began, God began with a blessing. He blessed him. A five-fold blessing. But when man fell, what triggered was not blessing was curses. So there is good and evil in Genesis 2. 
there is life and death. He said, if you eat, you will die. So there is good and evil. There is life and death. Then there are blessings and curses. Genesis 1, there are blessings. Genesis 3, there are curses. So these are all there. <clears throat> and for either blessings or curses, the primary vessel, primary, there are others also, but the primary vessel are words. The reason is because that's how God does everything. God speaks, it comes into being. So when God blesses, he speaks. When God cursed, he speaks. And we are made in that image. So that's why there are only three entities in creation. God, the angelic realm, and human beings. These three categories use words. Animals don't use words. So they don't have the power to bless or to curse. Okay, These three categories use words. We use words. And words are powerful. Powerful. And words don't randomly come. They come from our heart. So there is a connection between our heart and our mouth. Remember, the word that can save you, the blessing that you that can save you is very close. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. The curse that destroys you is also very close. It is in your heart and it's in your mouth. Whether you're going to be saved or whether you're going to be destroyed, it's all because of words. Because if there is no words, there is no meaning. It does not, we cannot communicate. So understand the power of words. Okay? Even the devil, even the devil, when he fell, he fell because of words. It says, he said in his heart, I will. God heard the words. God hears the words of our heart. Because later, it will come out from our mouth. He said in his heart. And that's where it began. Okay? His fall began because of words. He was thinking these thoughts. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise myself above God. Words. Okay? Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Both. How do you choose life? With your words. How do you choose death? With your words. Post words comes the actions. You cannot have an action without words. The only action you can have without words, but even there that has been programmed into our minds by the creator, we call it in science reflex action. Right? If somebody were to poke your eye, immediately your eye closes. You didn't have to think about it because it was set in into our minds. It automatically closes. But otherwise, behind every action, there are words or thoughts. So actions don't come first. Words come first. So life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. There's a fruit of life. And God says, think right. Think right. Speak right. Do right. Then you will eat right. Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. 
For your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. I believe there is going to be a lot of regret in heaven. Regret in heaven. Joy that we escaped hell, but regret about what all we are losing. When we lived on earth and in heaven. And God will ask, Lord, but why? He says, your words. Your words. This is what you thought. This is what you said. This is what you lost. Your words went before your actions. Your words. We will give account. Meaning that we are not being judged and thrown into hell. No. We will, we will all ask, Lord, why, 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 why? I mean, we don't even have to ask. Because in eternity, in the presence of God, nothing is concealed. We will move into a different realm. We will be able to see everything. I believe we will remember every word we spoke. And we will see. It is what is called, uh, like at higher levels in academics, you have what is called self-evaluation. Jesus says, I won't judge you. The words you heard will judge you. Everybody will know. Oh, that's why you will be able to say, yeah, God is just, yeah, I, I deserve to lose that. Yes, I deserve to lose that. I deserve to lose that. I deserve to lose that. I thought it. I said it. I did it. I was wrong. But regret will be there. James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man who is able to bridle the whole body, meaning he is able to, in so many ways, control the course of his life. Because, and that's what about Jesus, it is written, there was no deceit found in his mouth. They couldn't even kill him. He said, I lay down my life and I will pick it up. They couldn't touch him. They couldn't touch him. Okay? These are laws established by God. This is how the kingdom of God functions. And the kingdom of God rules over all the other kingdoms. That is exactly why Jesus said, seek ye first. How does it function? First. Everything else secondary. Because even if you know everything else, if you do not know how the kingdom functions, the kingdom will ultimately overrule everything else. But he says, if you understand how the kingdom functions, then you are, you are smart. You understand how the kingdom functions. This is how it functions. Okay. So we saw God's response to man's rebellion. It was curses. The serpent is cursed. The serpent's seed is cursed. There is enmity between God's seed and the serpent's seed. And you actually see it very graphically in the lives of Jesus and Apostle Paul. Wherever Jesus went, there is opposition. And finally Jesus looks at me and says, you know what, who you are? You are serpent seed. You are of your father, the devil. Wherever Apostle Paul went, he faced opposition. And you looked at them and you know, these are serpent seed. Okay. God said, you will find, life will be put in that way, where when you stand up for God and walk in the life of Jesus Christ, you will face that opposition. Then you saw the curse. Marriage is cursed. The home is cursed. Then you saw, work is cursed. Work is cursed. Then you see in Genesis 4.11, the murderer is cursed. Now you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. From your hand. Okay. Just spend a minute on this. 
Okay. Because this is the first time God curses man. So far he hasn't cursed man. He hasn't cursed man. He cursed the serpent. He cursed the ground. He cursed the marriage. He cursed the environment. It is not cursing the woman or the man. The man is cursed for the first time. Okay. Let me tell you something. Spiritual sins are more dangerous than sins of the flesh. Let me explain to you. Okay. Sirisha. Sirisha is sitting here. Okay. Now if I go there and I slap her, you will all see. You will be all shocked. Right? Because why? It is so visible. Okay. Even if I slap her somewhere else, she comes, her face will be all red. You will ask, what happened? It is something physical. Right? But if I walk around angry and bitter with her, does anybody see? No. It's exactly why spiritual sins are more dangerous than physical sins. Because physical sins is visible and you will be made to be accountable for that. But the spiritual ones are hidden. God says if you are angry with your brother and call him Raka fool, you know what? You are guilty of murder. And you are guilty of hellfire. Physical sins are very visible. Visible. Spiritual sins are very dangerous. Let us say, young man is following a girl and he has an affair with her. He sleeps with her. Sooner or later it will be found out she will become pregnant. You will know, right? But if the same man does not even meet her but is walking around with lust in his heart and in her eyes, will anybody see? But in these two cases in Matthew chapter 5, God brings hell there. He doesn't bring hell to the others. He doesn't say, if you divorce your wife, you will go to hell. He didn't say that. So many things are there. He doesn't mention hell. But two things he mentioned, hell. You know why? Spiritual sins are more dangerous than physical sins. Because physical sins, you can be made accountable to. Spiritual sins, nobody knows. Only you know. And God knows. That's why Jesus would say, you know you have heard, but I tell you, we need the Spirit of God to tell us. Otherwise, we will go by what we have heard. That's why the Spirit of God is given to everyone as a personal counselor, guide, who will lead us to all truth, so that when we stand before God, we would have cleaned our slate before we reached there. Amen? So we turn to Proverbs 26 and verse 2. A curse without cause shall not alight. So behind every curse, there is a cause. When God cursed the serpent, the reason was the serpent allowed the devil to possess him and speak through him. You became the vessel for God's enemy. So you are cursed above all creatures. Above all creatures. Though they are more powerful and strong creatures which God has created, there is no creature man hates more than the snake. Even if it's a rat snake which can't do anything to you, you see it, it runs from you, you run from it. 
You go to Nehru Zoo. I have always noticed, including myself, we see everything, but we leave the reptile, that snake and cow. We don't want to go there. You are cursed above all creatures. Cursed. What was the cause? Because you became the vessel that deceived mankind. So you will see where there is no cause. There is no curse. So we need to find the cause. When you hear today, you will realize, ah, yeah, probably yes. This cause is there in my life. And it's after effects I can see. I can see this is not what I should be. This is not what Jesus died for. Is this what Jesus died for? Okay. We saw on last Sunday in Exodus 20 and verse 5 because how it would come is codified in the Ten Commandments so that we understand. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Okay? The first five words is over there. He tells them the difference between the living God and false gods. False gods, they are plenty. They have powers behind it. We call them demonic entities. They have power. The true God is the only God who can break the bondage of sin over your life. The false God can do Many things or most things. The Antichrist will even bring fire from heaven. But one thing the false gods cannot do is to break the power of sin over your life. They cannot pay the penalty for that sin, nor break the power of sin. That's how you know who is a true God and a false God. So any religious person from any religion comes and talks to you about their faith, you need to ask, how do I free myself from sin? And they will say, you have to do this, 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 this thing. Then you have to tell them, this is what my faith says. My God has done this, 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 this. He has set me free. That's the difference between a true God and a false God. Because in no religion, any God either teaches or has the power to set you free from the penalty or the power of sin. No. They will only teach you. They will only tell you. Get this picture. That's the first thing God says. And because there is a true God and there are false God, he says one thing. I'm the creator. In the beginning, God created. The rest is all creation, including the false gods, are creations. Therefore, don't worship them. Don't serve them. Don't make images. Don't worship. Don't serve the worship of false gods is called idolatry. The idolatry is primarily the worship or the serving of anything or anyone apart from God. And it can be done very secretly. Deuteronomy 27 and verse 15 says, Curse is the one who makes a carved or molded image an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. It is, it is set up in secret. Remember when Moses was sent to Israel, he was told to tell the Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn, let him go. Let my people go. For what? Two purposes. They will have a three-day journey into the wilderness where they will worship me and they will serve me. Worship me and serve me. The final test for Jesus in the wilderness was about worship. Do you know what he said in Matthew 4 and verse 10? Jesus answered to him, said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Okay? Now let us leave the idols of others 
aside. They all have been immersed. Okay? Don't worry about those idols. <laughs> we shall worry about dignified Christian idols. That's our problem. The hidden ones. Because today, idols are sold to us. It's big money. Advertisement companies make their money by selling idols. You have PR companies for selling them. Modern days, cathedrals, like the queen died, the king was proclaimed, and we saw the cathedral. Okay, they saw, they're fantastic. They were all built in the ages past, where crowds used to gather, Westminster Abbey, St. Paul's Cathedral, St. Peter's Basilica, these are all old days, crowds used to be gathering in those places. Today, no. Today, they gather in the new cathedrals called shopping malls. Sports complexes, movie complexes, where actual worship takes place. And these idols are sold to us through advertisement and PR. And these people, whether in sports or movies or shopping, they are idols. And we worship them. We spend our time and our money on them. On them. Telling you the truth. God in this last generation, which is full of idol worship, that is why to the children, three categories in the kingdom of God, children, youth, and fathers. Not in terms of age, children flee from idols. Because idolatry. Youth are who have overcome idols because the word of God lives in them and they have overcome the evil one. Who is the one who sells these idols? He cannot come as himself because he knows most people will reject him. So he presents himself through a thousand idols. So we have movie stars, music stars, sports stars. Depending upon what your passion is, you have a star. And in your heart, the morning star is missing. The Bible says, let the morning star rise. But we have so many stars. And we really passionately serve them. Early in the morning, people who will never rise to worship. Never rise to pray. Oh, if that match is there. Or your favorite superstar's movie comes. First show, standing in the line. When tickets open, you are there in the rain. If it is rainy season, or with the hoodie, if it is winter, how you worship and serve them, cursed are you. Cursed are you. Even something stupid like this. Apple 14 is coming. Watch the day of release. And watch the crowd standing in line to buy it. I'm telling you, you have to see what people actually worship. But the Bible says, you are cursed. You are cursed. Because idolatry is very, very subtle. Very, very subtle. It is very, very subtle. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous person, a covetous man, 
who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Because we are looking at idolatry. Did we know covetousness is idolatry? It's not in one place. Two times God gives the same warning. Colossians 3, 5 to 7. Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. First, Satan is there, made perfect in beauty, in wisdom and everything. Then he looks at everybody and he, you know what, his heart is lifted up. Pride comes in, heart is lifted up. Remember, pride and covetousness are very close. They are twin brothers. As soon as pride comes in, he covets one position that is denied to him. He wants God's place. That is the beginning of idolatry. Babylon is built on pride and on covetousness. You covet something you didn't work for. You didn't earn. It's not rightfully yours. And then jealousy comes. When you, do, when you are denied, jealousy, envy comes. Saul is proud. His head and shoulders above everybody. Then one boy, a rookie, comes off the field and knocks the giant off and the women sing. When the women sing, he's very upset because his pride has been hurt. He is coveting something that is not his. Because if he had killed Goliath, then the women could have sung that. But they are singing about David who killed Goliath. So he's coveting something because in him there is an idol. Because remember it is written, he had built a monument to himself, not to God. Next thing you see is envy comes in. So that's how you understand. How would, if you are jealous of somebody, envious of somebody, you can be absolutely sure you have an idol in your heart. Guilty of idolatry. Because there is pride. There is covetousness. And you come under a curse. Because cursed is anyone who makes an image of anything that is above or below which is yourself. That's how it happens. That's how we look at this. And because God wants us to break all these things so that we can really be free, really be free. Luke 12 and verse 15. He said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Beware of covetousness. Because much of shopping has got nothing to do with us. It has got to do with somebody else. We want to look better than somebody else. Much of things has got nothing to do with us. Because we are coveting something. Every perfect and good thing comes from above. You can receive it with thanksgiving, you are blessed. If you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. We brought nothing, we take nothing. Yet, when there is covetousness in our heart, covetousness in our heart, you know what? 
we start loving things. We start loving things. Dangerous things. Antidote. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Therefore by him. No. Let your conversation. Pastor Vijayaki, help me. Let your conversation be without covetousness. It is also in Hebrews 13. Five? Yeah. 13. Yes. Five. Let your conversational conduct, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. What is the antidote to covetousness? Idolatry. Your hero is God. What you covet is him. God says, I will not leave you, nor forsake you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. So let your conduct, let your life be without covetousness. You don't need anything. God says, I am there for you. Don't let things replace me in your life. That's why God says, love God with all your heart, with all your might, all your strength. What is this all for? To protect our hearts from idols. So that the curse does not come. Okay? I'm just giving you a few verses. Isaiah 57 and verse 17. <clears throat> For the iniquity of his covetousness, I was angry and struck him. So covetousness is an iniquity. It has to be broken. Because if you don't break that iniquity of covetousness, your lust for things which are not yours, which are not rightfully yours, rightfully, before you long for something, you need to ask God, Lord, do you think I deserve that? It would do me good? Or it would harm me? There are certain things which God has for us. But it should be in God's time. When God knows when to give it to us so that it will not destroy us. Okay, That's what God is talking about. Iniquity of covetousness. Iniquity has to be broken. Covetousness is iniquity. And that iniquity causes us to Demand more and more. You know, demanding people. They're never satisfied. That was Zacchaeus. And the first thing when Jesus comes into his house, he breaks an iniquity. He says, half my wealth I sell and I give it to the poor. And then he says, from whoever I have taken, I give them four times over, Jesus said. Salvation has come. The iniquity of covetousness. Because what is covetousness? It is idolatry. Because until you have broken idols in your life, we will not be able to experience the life God wants to give us. Because that life is righteousness, peace and joy. We need to ask, are we constantly walking in peace? Like Paul is in the prison in Rome. The peace of God is guarding his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He's singing, he's rejoicing. Why? There's no idols in his heart. Absolutely no idols. He's free from the curse. I keep telling pastors, Jesus of course was free from the curse. And if another man learned to free himself from every curse, was Apostle Paul. He learned to be curse free. Absolutely curse free. Look at Jeremiah chapter 6 verses 11 to 13. 
the judgment. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it. I will pour it out on the children outside, on the assembly of young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the aged with him who is full of days. Why? And the houses shall be turned over to others, fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. Reason, because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. Let me ask, parents of our children today, are your children satisfied with the number of toys they have? No. Are they satisfied? All the days of my youth, or not youth, my childhood, I had one toy. The rest I made it by hand. My bus I made from wood, carved it. My gun I made, carved it. My bow and arrow I made it. I was very happy because I am making my own toys. Are your children satisfied? What are you feeding? You know what you are feeding? You are feeding the idols in their heart. And you know what not is? They are never content. More and more and more and more. They are not content. You know why? Because we have substituted things with time. We don't have time to spend with them. And if we have, we won't spend time with them. Therefore, you know what we do? We substitute it with things. And you know what we are teaching them? We are teaching them to be an idol factory. Telling you the truth. Don't get upset with me. Because this is what God says. From the least even to the greatest. Everyone is given into covetousness. I ask pastors. Why do you want a big church? For what? Can you take care of them? Or to show it off to others? Why do you want a big church? More offerings? More crowds? More fame? What are you coveting? If you can't take care of them, if you can't even speak to them a proper message for 30 minutes, why do you want these crowds? Because you covet something. That's why the priest and the prophet comes there. The priest and the prophet, Balaam coveted gold. And he was willing to sell his gift to curse God's people. God shut his mouth and turned it into a blessing. Be careful. Careful. Romans 1 and verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's what happens. Worship and serve. What is idolatry? You worship and serve. Satan came and told Jesus, you don't have to go through all this rigorous training and suffering. Nothing. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give it to you all. Jesus said, away from me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship and serve only the living God. What does idols do? It takes, it steals worship from the rightful honor. And it takes service from the rightful honor. And do you know why we feel this heavy cloud hanging over us always? It is the law of God set into motion. Cursed is he who makes an idol in secret and worships and serves it. 
worships and serves him. So you have to ask God. I have to ask God, Lord, show us, teach us. Show us, teach us. Look at another place, Second Timothy 3. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Whole list is there. Terrible list for five verses. But the root cause of everything is one thing. Men will be lovers of themselves. Who do they worship? Themselves. They worship themselves. They serve themselves. Meaning, if they do anything, they need to like it. Otherwise, they will not do it. But to Paul tells to Timothy, endure hardship has a discipline. You have joined the army. Please, the one who recruited you, your commanding officer, you don't do what pleases you. You do what pleases him. There's a difference. Why is the last days terrible? Because all are idolaters. That's why they need money. That's why they want money. Paul will say to the church in Timothy, their God is their belly. Their God is their belly, their appetite. What are they looking for? God is their belly. And this is where we need to understand. These are serious things which God is talking about. And we need to be careful with children. Careful with children. We don't, we don't idolize our children. Be very, very balanced. Don't idolize your children. Because the first step of actually following Jesus and becoming his disciple, he says, deny yourself. Stop loving yourself. Deny yourself. And if I don't deny myself, picking up the cross is all later. Picking up the cross is the sufferings you may have to go through depending upon what you are called to, where you are sent and all. That is secondary. That is not secondary, that is second. Primary is you have to deny yourself. But the problem is there is a contradiction in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, not deniers of themselves. I can guarantee there are a lot of people today in this house who spend more time before the mirror than before God's word or in his presence. And then you wonder why you struggle to hear. This is not contaminated. This is the truth. This is, not, this is the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that sets us free. The truth that sets us free. Okay. Think abundance of things. Abundance of things. God gives, thank you. You are not going after that. I can still remember a Malayalam song, movie song, which was probably written before I was born. I'm not very sure, okay? Um, the, things, the thing is that uh, when I was growing up for a long time, I had no language. So I used to listen to songs, but I never watched movies. So I liked songs without even understanding their meaning or not knowing what was on the screen. Okay. But later when I grew up and understood the language, okay, even now, suddenly one old Malayalam song comes and says, okay, this is what it meant when we were humming those days. This old song says, Penende Manasil, 
പതിനേഴാം വയസ്സിൽ ഉടുപ്പ് ചെണ്ട മേള ചെണ്ട ചെണ്ട ഇസ് ദാറ്റ് പെർക്കഷൻ ഡ്യൂറിംഗ് ദ ഫെസ്റ്റിവൽ നോ ദിസ് ഗേൾസ് മൈൻഡ് അറ്റ് ദ ഏജ് ഓഫ് സെവൻറ്റീൻ ലൈക്ക് ഡ്രമ്മിങ് ഇസ് ഷോപ്പിംഗ് ഓഫ് ഫോർ ക്ലോത്ത്സ് ഉടുപ്പ് മീൻസ് ക്ലോതിങ് ചെണ്ട മേളം വാട്ട് സോങ് what a song think about it i was telling last week to all of you are laughing right think about it while the service is going on it's on silent mode cling and you look pastor is not watching because it's from the because it's from the bank you quietly open it and says 10 lakh deposited into your account suddenly what you did not know a shopping list suddenly arises in your heart and your mind you already did messages forgotten churches forgotten everything is forgotten shopping list is arising you see it was always there all it needed was the power to acquire it that's what david recognized he says it was always there all it needed was a naked woman bathing it was always there it was always there i do i'm a murderer all i needed was to be put in a situation where i would kill and i killed uriah i do i'm a murderer we don't know what we will do if we are caught in situations we don't know god knows god knows that's why these idols need to be broken that's why it's for our safety god is not sitting there feeling so empty and bad no he says for our safety you love me with all your heart all your might all your strength he says you know what you will be safe you let anything else replace me in your life he says you are running towards danger and he says look at great men how they fell when something replaced god in their life that's what god is talking about so be very very careful about these things come that's why god says every day it begins has to begin with surrender offer your body that is the idol factory as a living sacrifice to god holy and acceptable this is your reasonable reasonable even with your little children please please understand okay i'm not condemning anybody i'm just telling you give it 10 days every day in the evening with your little ones worship in the home and teach them when you worship there will be reverence and silence and then bring them to church they'll be quiet i raised up children never ever with my children had to ever discipline them in church they knew you had to be silent in church because you were silent at home and be worshiped it's as simple as that because children are very easy to discipline they can forget and they can remember you can teach them very easy the mind is like a sponge if i don't show reverence for god in my home i don't expect my children to show reverence when i bring them to church because they're small that's called training and when they misbehave 
No, consistently. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Of course, our service is very long and all that. So you can adjust to that, all that. But general principle. What are you teaching them? You're not punishing them. You're teaching them that God needs that place in my life and your life. Your life. At six or seven, little Samuel was already serving in the temple, helping the high priest out. How did he do that? Because he had learned reverence from his mother. From his mother. Simple things, simple things. No condemnation. I love the babies more than you actually do. If you have doubt, ask the little ones. I ask them. Many of them I ask them, would you want to come and live with grandpa, grandpa forever? They say yes. But I don't tell them because you'll have a heart attack. Okay. Exodus 20 and verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let's have the next verse. You shall not swear by your name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your Lord. I am the Lord. Next verse, Jose. They have spoken words, swearing falsely in making a covenant. Thus, judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. What is hemlock? It's poison. He says, you know what? They have spoken words wearing falsely in making. They say, God says, they're taking my name in vain. And you know what's happening? Everything they do is poison. The curse is working, not blessings. Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Ecclesiastic 5 verses 4 to 6. When you make a vow to the Lord, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not to pay. God says, you know what? Simple thing is that don't say it. Because life as a death is in the power of the tongue. You make a vow, then you don't keep it. What happens? The consequences will follow. Curses will follow. Curses will follow. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Matthew 5. 33. Again, you have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than this, is from the evil ones. He says all that you have to say. Yes or no? When did paper come? When did people use paper? Old days, your word was your bond. All you had to say is yes and no. God says don't swear. Because when you swear, you're swearing by my name. By my name. And then you don't keep it. 
That's why James would say about tomorrow, if the Lord wills. James 5 and verse 12 again. Above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Judgment comes. Why? Because we use his name in vain. Use his name in vain. That's how we trigger curses. Because remember, he has set laws in motion. Loss in motion. So, ask the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the simple thing is, Lord, have I said things? This, this, the word of God says there is a man who swears to his own heart. Swears to his own heart. I said, I shouldn't have said it, but I said, now I'm going to keep it. Or eat humble pie and go meet the person and say, I was wrong. I didn't mean what I said. Would you forgive me? I am backing out. You know why? Words have power. To bless or to bring curses. And he says, it is in my name. You are either swearing in his name or by the name of something which he has created. So let your yes be yes. And your no be no. Learn. Slowly to learn. Okay? Learn. When you call me for something, if you have noticed, I will say, maybe, let me see. I never say yes, unless I'm sure I can say yes. Till last night. <laughs> I said, let me see. Let me see. Why? Because if I say yes, you can be very sure. It will be yes, I'll be there. I don't say no either, because I always leave a possibility there. But the problem is my mind is so ingrained that anybody says yes, plumber says coming at 5, for 5, 4, 45, I'm waiting for him. He never will turn that day, but it does not matter. I still will trust him because he said yes. It doesn't matter who it is. Because you have to believe what you believe for others too. You have to believe. Because other people are not changing, that does not mean I will also become like that. No. Because you know what? These things have to be ingrained. When God says yes, it is yes. When he says no, it is no. So God says, I am transforming you in my image. Don't swear. Don't take my name in vain. Don't make stupid promises which you cannot keep. Because you know what? When you break, things will come. God knows us. That's why when the covenant is ratified with Abraham, he tells Abraham to bring these animals and these birds and kill them, cut into two pieces. The blood is flowing in the middle. And when two people make a covenant in the old days, they hold hands, they walk through that blood saying that we are making a covenant with each other. If either of us break the covenant, let him be cut off from the land of the living like this. But God knows us. So when the time for the ratification of the covenant came, he put Abraham to sleep. And God himself as fire went through it and made a covenant with himself. And therefore, thousands of years later, he will come as his son, Jesus Christ, and he will be cut off from the land of the living because we didn't keep our promise. Because God kept his side of the bargain. That's how it works. So, 
Learn this, especially young people sitting over here. Learn this fundamental lessons. So therefore, if your parent asks, are you going to school tomorrow? Maybe that's not the answer. The answer is, yes, I am going. If the Lord wills, and I am well, and tomorrow is there, I am going. If the Lord tarries to come, till last night we say that before we close in prayer. If the Lord tarries to come tonight, he give us another day in the land of the living, we will meet in the house of the Lord. Because we don't know when he is coming. Okay. Get these simple things in. I'm telling you, you can live a life which God designed for us to live. Okay. God designed a life for us to live. It's not how you rise up in the world or not. He's designed a peaceful, joyful life. Which is in the Holy Spirit. And the devil hates it. So he comes to steal our peace. He comes to steal our joy. How does our peace come? Okay, you made a promise. Then you little realize you cannot keep the promise. God said, did you have to promise? Now your peace is gone. Your joy is gone. God said, you don't have to. You don't have to do these things, he says. My brethren, let your yes be yes and no. Well, otherwise you come under judgment will come. When your yes becomes no, something is triggered in the spiritual realm. Things starts happening. Get these pictures, children. Okay? Get this picture, it's clear. Like I said, this is not condemnation. This is just learning the laws of his kingdom. Okay? In the same process, if you hear from God and it is a yes, you can go to the bank with it. It is a yes. Just wait for it. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. Just don't give up. Don't quit. Just hang in over there and just be the person God wants you to be to receive it when it happens. You may think you are ready now. I may think I am ready now. But God will know when we are ready. But if a yes he has said, it will happen. There is a yes from Jesus. I am coming back. Can be very sure. A billion skeptics and scoffers can rise. But I tell you, he is coming back. Because his yes is yes. And his no is no. The third one. I'm just giving you pictures. You can in your own study add to it. And the spirit of God in our own personal lives will show us. Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Hello? What is the work week according to God? Six days. Six days. Not five days. Six days. So if you have a five day week, find something to do on the sixth day. Because God said work six days. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them, rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Did you see that? We would just be, but there is a blessing on a particular day. And there is a curse when you break that day. There's a blessing on a particular day. There are seven days. One day was specifically hallowed, set apart and blessed. Now we are not under the Mosaic law. But we need to understand what it means. Because when man fell, 
This was a curse. Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Then he said to Adam, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. This is a curse. Alright? He says, you know what? You shall work. And your work will be terrible because your ground is cursed. But with the resurrection, with Christ Jesus, with the salvation, something changed. Now we need to understand the Sabbath principle, the spiritual law behind Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4. Actually, you can read the whole chapter, but we'll just read three verses. Therefore remains, there remains therefore a rest for whom? The people of God. What does Sabbath mean? Rest. So what is hallowed? Rest is hallowed. Not work. Work is blessed. Rest is hallowed. Why? For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Hold 10. Okay, hold 10. Look at, oh no, hold it to 10. Verse 10. For he, that is me, put your name over there. Okay, put your name over there. For he, Vijay, who has entered H capital, his, Jesus rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So what are we called to rise up each morning? Enter into his rest and cease from my works so that God can work through me. You do it, you will realize you have enough energy to complete everything that you have to do. Everything what you have to do. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent. Different versions use different words. Diligent. What does it say? Labor. Diligent. Strive. What? To enter that rest. Our whole effort, energy should be not in working. But first entering into God's rest. That is what I keep telling the church. Early in the morning, if you haven't encountered God, the rest of the day is meaningless. Before God. That's the labor. The labor. If you look at Jesus Christ, I look at him and I'm zapped because I know what ministry is like, especially when you're on missions. You look at his simple day. He's preaching non-stop. Then he's casting out demons, healing the sick from morning till night. And the next day morning, early in the morning, he's back on his prayer closet and he's crying out to his father. You look at his ministry and you realize, you know why he was able to work like that? Because every morning he entered into his father's rest. Ceased from his works and the father did his works through him. This is the pattern. This is the pattern. There's no other pattern. There's only one pattern. You want to be saved from the curse of Genesis chapter 3. This is how the curse is broken. This is how the curse is broken. You are out of the curse. Your ground is no longer cursed. Because you are just doing his works and leaving the result into his hands. You are not responsible for the results anymore. On the other hand, if you are doing your works, you are absolutely responsible for the results and not God. That's when your boss starts breathing down your neck. I want it. 
God is doing the work through you, he is also responsible for the results, not us. So there are patterns. See, to coming out of the curse is one thing. To move into the blessing is another thing. This is position, just not positional. This is functional. You have to understand, all that happened in Genesis chapter 3 is broken in Christ. Yes, we know in Galatians uh, 3, 14 and 13 and 14, we know he hung on the cross, he became the curse because cursed is he who hangs on. But how do I move into it? What should I do? It comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Do you know? Man was cursed. Home was cursed. Marriage was cursed. Everything was cursed, right? So Timothy will say, Paul will tell to Timothy, I tell men everywhere, lift up holy hands in prayer without wrath or disputing. That's how you first come out of the curse. That is the job of the man. What does the man do? He enters into his prayer closet with before. First with hands that are holy. Without anger. Without disputing. How does the woman come out of the curse? What is she told? I want women everywhere to be silent. Her silence is how she comes out of the curse. Your marriage was cursed. Your children were cursed. But now through child rearing, you will be sanctified if you continue through it. So what was broken there is released here. Because you listen to your wife's voice, here I enjoin every woman to be silent. Not that she should not speak. She should not speak out of turn. You want to get out of the curse, men? Lift up holy hands every day. Lord, are my hands holy? Is my work acceptable? The work that I have done, Lord, is it acceptable? Who can ascend up the hill? He who has. What? Clean hands. Lord, you judge my hands. Without wrath. Without disputing. Because men are typically angry. And the next verse, if you know your scripture, to women, nothing is mentioned about prayer. Immediately, it is the Holy Spirit through Timothy who knows us and how to break the curse. He says, be careful about how you dress. We are talking about prayer here, but when the moment is mentioned, the first thing is says, dress modestly. Why? God made us. He knows us. It's very interesting. It's First Timothy chapter 2, right? Yeah, chapter 2. It's very interesting. You have to. These are not accidents. These are the ways in which we understand how to break out. How to come out. As a man, how will I come out? What do I need to come out to enter into his rest? It says, yeah, can I have it, First Timothy? Chapter 2, First Timothy, chapter 2. Just, okay. Yeah, first chapter 2. Because it's talking about how we come out. Let's read from verse 3 onwards. Yeah. Yeah. Verse. Yeah. Let's come to the next verse. Let's keep following. Yeah. Yeah. Let's read there. Help me out, Pastor Vida. Got it? Chapter. Verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. 
Yeah, it's talking about prayers. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Because a man who doubts will receive nothing for his family. He's like the, the, the sea, tossed back and forth. He says, don't doubt. I expect men to have faith. It's on you. As the head of the family, you are supposed to have faith. So when you pray, pray in faith. Pray without doubting. Pray without anger. Deal with your anger. Don't come to me this morning having gone to sleep with anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and you gave place to the devil. So, so many things are mentioned to the men. How to deal with these things because he knows what men are. And the next verse. In likewise manner also, start prayer. Right? In manner also, women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or clothes. And he says, what's wrong with you, Paul? We're talking about prayer, you're talking about clothing. He says, God told me. This is how it is. And go further down. But which is proper for women professing godliness with good works, let a woman learn in silence. In all submission. He's saying, you know what, how she comes out of the curse. You have a husband like that. A husband like that. Learn of him. If you don't have a husband like that, keep quiet, but don't learn of him. <laughs> but if, I'm not joking, it's easy in the scripture. You go to First Peter chapter 3, words. If you keep quiet and you behave what I have told you to be, even though he's a fool, he will learn of you. You become the silent teacher. Without opening your mouth, you teach him. But if he's that kind of a man, you will learn of him. But if he's not that kind of a man, he will learn of you. This is how you come out of the curse in the home. And then, yeah, let's go back to Timothy. Let's look at verse 12. He gives you reasons, okay? He gives you reasons, verse 12. Please, let's have 212. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. He's not saying that you women cannot teach in church, okay, but under authority. But in home, over and over that word silence, okay, ladies from today says silence. Silence is golden in God's eyes, okay, verse 13. For Adam was formed first. He gives you the reason. Where does he take you? Back to Genesis 1 and 2. He goes right back to the beginning. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And the next words, nevertheless, she will be saved. This is the sanctification process in childbearing. If they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. He says, you know what? Your home is a place for your sanctification. His workplace is a place of his sanctification. So man does not work. He cannot be sanctified. A woman does not raise up children. Either her own or if you adopt children. She cannot be sanctified. Your maid will be sanctified. There will be lots of sanctified maids in heaven because they took care of your children. Right? Rebecca was not sanctified but Deborah was. So we don't know about Rebecca's death. We know about Rebecca. Deborah was buried. Don't be. Are we getting it? 
These are things in the Bible. It's very difficult to speak, but I have to tell it because you know what? This is the <coughs> only way you can come out and find. <coughs> you have time <coughs> and strength and joy for everything. If I were to tell you my schedule from last night, 10.30 to this morning, I don't want to tell it. But I had a time for everything. A time for everything, including prepare my message for this month. <laughs> a time for everything. You can ask my wife. <coughs> my sister came last night. As she was coming from the airport, my mother fell. We had to lift her up, clean her up, everything, mop the floor, change everything, this thing. By the time my sister came, it was 11 o'clock, 11.50, but I was up before 4. Right? What's up? I was doing my stuff. Took care of my mother in the morning. Cleaned her up. Swept, swabbed her room. Made her breakfast. She needs three stuff. Made it all. Made my wife's breakfast. Made my sister's tea. And I was down at 8 o'clock sitting down so that I can watch my mother while my wife goes up to get ready. And you think you don't have time? And I'm not even complaining because it's set in my head. It is set in my head and every time I take care of my mother, I know I am blessed. And it is not a burden. When my father was dying, 15 days of his last days, I was the only one beside him. Therefore, I know I am blessed. You need to look at what really blessings in the kingdom of God is. It will pass on for generations certain things. If you don't see these things in your mind according to the word of God, you will get frustrated, you will get angry, you want to throw up the towel. No, you don't. These are kingdom principles. Kingdom principles. And this is what I do every day. And then my wife takes over. Till the maid comes. And it's not a burden at all. Absolutely, I don't even cross my mind. Then cross my mind. Now think about all these things because your workspace cannot be cursed. You have been set free. You've been set free. Set free. You've been set free. Think on these things because I hear people complain. It's not. It's all easy things. It's not so difficult. Okay. Otherwise, we will struggle. That's what the Bible says. Men should lift up holy hands without wrath, without doubting. Because faith will not make any sense to the natural man. Otherwise, how will the walls of Jericho fall if you listen to this man's instruction with us? So on. Does it make any sense? Does anything God says make any sense? Not to the natural man. That's why God says without doubting. When you read the word of God, without doubting. Men, you are supposed to be teaching your wives what faith is. But first, when you read the word of God, without doubting. When you hear from God, without doubting. Then in silence, she will receive it. That's how you come out of the curse. And walk free of the curse. 
Because all the blessings in this life are temporary, transitory. Honestly, as a father, do you know what blessings I want? I want to pass blessings on to my children and grandchildren and my spiritual children if the Lord tarries to come. That's the blessing I want. I don't want anything that ends with me. I want to pass it on. Pass it on. If Abraham was not a man who was a praying man, who built altars and encountered, there would have been no Israel. Because when Jacob ran in fear from his father's house and picked a stone and put his head over there and went to sleep, heavens opened because the stone were Years earlier, his grandfather had built an altar at Bethel and worshipped God. He had left an inheritance for his grandson. It was spiritual. Not flocks. Not sheep. Everything Esau took. Jacob ran empty-handed from his house. He did not get anything that was acquired by his father or grandfather. But what he acquired was a spiritual blessing which his grandfather had left for him, which Esau did not get. What do you want? Spiritual? Or only physical? What do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be your legacy? Eternal things. Eternal things. Ezekiel 44, verse 15 to 18. Ezekiel, did I give you? Ezekiel 44. Can it have it, man? But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near me to minister to me. So the first thing God says, you know what? You are a priest in your house, all men. You are a priest in your house. First thing, come to me, minister to me. You come to me and minister to me. Before you do any ministry to anybody, including yourself, minister to me. And they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary and they shall come near my table to minister to me. And then when I speak to them, they shall keep my charge. That's what the man is. He is a priest of his family. He goes and ministers to God first. And then, verse 17, next verse. And it shall be whenever they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall put on linen garments. No wool shall come upon them while they minister within the gates of the inner court or within the house. Why? Next verse, brother. They shall have linen turbans on their heads, linen trousers on their bodies. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes sweat. That's how the curse is broken. Because a part of the curse is sweat. It's a spiritual truth. What is God saying? If men were to come out and minister to me, stand before me, offer me what I ask them to do and receive my charge, there would be no curse because the sweat is broken. Don't sweat before me. You don't have to sweat. When God tells you to do something, you don't have to sweat. I'm not talking about perspiration. I'm talking about struggle. Because you are doing what he told you to do and the results are in his hands. All Joshua has to tell the people, listen to what I'm saying, shut your mouth and let's walk around these walls. Seven days. And then blow the trumpet and shout, the walls come down. No sweat. It just came down. Everybody died. No sweat. 
But when he did not go before the Lord and he did not inquire of the Lord and he said, oh, this city is only so small. Take 3,000 men, go fight it. 36 men died. There were widows and orphans in the camp because he did not go before God and ask. He didn't receive the Lord's charge. And he fell on his face and started weeping. God said, get up from there. You're cursed. The camp is cursed. Why? Because somebody in your camp took the things that are cursed. It's not blessings that are operating. It's a curse that is operating. Remove the curse, the blessings will come back. Don't sweat. Don't sweat. You're not supposed to sweat. Because we've been freed from it. Freed from it. Understand. Understand these things, men and as women. Understand these things. Guard your heart from covetousness. It is idolatry. Guard your heart. Coveting something. When it comes to covetousness, you should be like John the Baptist. They came and told him, Pharisees, no? Always coveting somebody's honor, somebody's money, somebody's position, somebody's gift. They come and tell, do you know? The man you pointed out, crowds are following him now. Nobody's coming to your meetings. Do you know what he said? A man should receive only nothing other than from God. He should increase, I should increase. A man should not. This should be a philosophy in life. I should not receive honor. I should not receive fame. I should not receive anything that is not from God. And if somebody receives, God be glorified. You know what? This is my philosophy. He should increase. I should decrease. God be with him. You know what? There will be no idols in your heart. No idols in your heart. Because he is not running your race. You are not running his race. He is not after your crown. You are not after his crown. Be smart. Learn from the word of God. Because otherwise idols will come. All the, I'm not asking you, I'm just for the younger girls sitting over here. Just for the older sisters sitting over here. You're all kosher, so you may not be, may not have been like that, but think about it, no? All the money you spend on clothing and all in your teenage days, and men chased you. But at the end you realize it was all a waste of time and money because you ended up marrying a man you never met. Isn't that true? What a waste of time, energy and money. God has got jokes, right? So it is in the heart. So that is why the Bible tells Apostle Paul through the servant Titus to women, older women, teach younger women how to love your husbands and your Children, because younger women need to be taught how to love their husbands and their children because we automatically think, because we watched all these movies, we know how to love. The problem is the more movies you watch, more you don't know how to love. This is how these things come. So just be safe. Like I said, no condemnation. Go to God. And he will give you the strength. You will enter into his rest. 
you can do each day's work without sweating, not perspiration, without struggling in your mind. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind through the day. Fourth one. Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor. Deuteronomy 27, 16. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. And all the people shall say, I didn't hear it. All the people shall say, Amen. Matthew 15, 4. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. This is from Jesus' mouth. Honor. It does not mean you have to <coughs> agree. It does not mean you have to agree or even obey. When it contradicts, we obey God. We have only one God. Your father is not God. Your mother is not God. Okay? In Indian culture, father is God, mother is God, teacher is God, cow is God, everything is God. <laughs> but, there's only one God. But God put father and the mother there. That's where it begins. Everything begins in the home. God says, you don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to obey also when they tell you to disobey God. But dishonor? No. It's a no-no. It is a no-no. That's the only bless, only commandment with a blessing. Okay, let me digress a little here so that you will know where I'm coming from. Let us digress. Why should I do all this? Why is you, why are you making my life so difficult? It's not difficult. I'm making your life easy. Revelation chapter 3, 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Second John and verse 1, 1, 8. Look to yourselves. Don't look at left and right. Look to yourself. That we do not lose, lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. I'm just showing you just one or two. Look to whom? Look to yourself. God is saying after a long life of labor, don't lose your reward by neglect. Just like a farmer. Okay? Poor man, work through the, through the year. And the last week before harvest, there is a hailstorm. Everything is gone. Now God is talking about spiritual truths here. That's why it's so important, the Bible says, he who endures till the end, endures till the end. Can I have the next verses over there? He who endures till the end shall be saved. The problem is in this narrow path of life. You need something that is called, yes, Brother Bano, endure, 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 over and over and over, God says about that. I didn't give it to you, Matthew 10, 22, right? Isn't it there? But he endures, yeah, 24, 13, it's all the same, okay? He who endures till the end shall be saved. 
Over and over and over, God repeats this. Because how we finish matters. Why is it so? He says, so that you may receive what? A full reward. So there is full reward in heaven, partial reward in heaven, and no reward in heaven for saved people. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 13, 14, if I am right, it talks about if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. But the next verse says he will go through the His works will go through the fire. He himself will be saved. Yeah, he himself will be saved. Yeah, that's okay. 14, 15. We know all these verses. So what I'm telling you is to remember, you can end up in heaven with a full reward. That's the whole motivation behind walking those blessings of God. I want a full reward. It is forever and ever. Or you can end up with a partial reward. Let somebody take your crown. Or end up with no reward. Saved, because that's not our work, that's his work. And Hebrews 6 and verse 2, you know what it talks about, the nature about it, of the doctrine of baptism, this is the resurrection of the dead, and what? Eternal? Judgment is eternal, it's permanent. It's permanent, eternal, forever and ever. It's eternal, it's permanent. So you have to be very careful, very, very, very careful. It is permanent. Think about you are writing an exam, a final exam. You are writing an exam. Okay, you have this final exam comes and you got only this one chance. Okay, and you worked, slogged through the year. But the day before the exam, you fall down with a high fever. And when you reach the examination hall, you gloriously collapsed. We understand these things and we are told it in human terms. Okay. Please understand what it means. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 to 8. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. There are two worlds. The world now and the world to come. In the world that is now, we are put under subjection to angels. That's why there is war in the heavens between the demonic fallen angels and the angels who are on God's side because we are put under subjection to them. Now, this world. But the one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Do you know what God is saying? Now this world is under subjection to angels. That's God's order. But the world to come, angels will be under subjection to us who overcome. He says, do you know what you are running for? You will end up in heaven in two ways. Either you will be under angels and other men. Or you will be over other men and angels. And the only way is that you grow. That is why Galatians 4 verse 1 and 2 says, The child, did we have it there? Yeah. I say the heir, 
We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. But as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is a master of all, but he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. But in eternity, it is forever. Because you did not move from child to a youth in whom the word of God lives and has overcome the wicked one or moved further up and to be the father who has known God from the beginning. So this is the motivation. Because if everything in the world is basically based on motivation and God comes and he's the greatest motivator of all because he's giving us eternal rewards. And he says, following you is the shadow of different kinds of curses. He says, my son became a curse on the cross and you're freed from the curse. Now understand it, break it and walk in the blessings and be an overcomer. So it does not matter what you end up in life on earth. What matters is what you end up in life in heaven. That's why I said I'm not a fan of the royal family. And never a fan of the royal family, British royal family specifically, because I know the Queen's husband who passed away last year on the same day. If I'm right, he died also on the same day last year. I know he was a grand master in the free, in the Freemasonry. I know the whole family is full of Freemasons. And I don't believe most of them will be even in heaven. You read the book of Isaiah, kings are going to hell, not to heaven. So don't get don't get carried away by all those media projects. The reality we do not know. There's a joke that was told by President Ronald Reagan. A preacher and a politician both died on the same day. So they reached heaven. Peter did the first checking, then got them in. And when they got them in, the preacher was taken first and he was given a small room. Simple bare minimum room. And then the politician was wondering, preacher got this, what am I going to get? Then the politician was taken and he was shown this huge mansion. And he said, but the preacher got that, how did I get this? And the angel said, you are the first politician to make it. (laughs) Plenty of preachers here, you are the first one to make it. So because of that, this is special. Don't carry it away by this jazz of the world. The people you idolize in this world and want to be like, let me tell you, God have mercy on them. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than these people who are full of themselves. Because at the cross, at the cross, there is a humbling. Okay. So get this fundamental pictures. One of the fundamental laws of God's kingdom is the law of honor. The law of honor. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The principle of honor. Be very, very careful. And it begins at home. Matthew 10, verse 40 to 42. He who receives you, receives me. He who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives the prophet in the name 
of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now in that term, receiving, basically the implication is honor. Honor. Did you honor God this morning? Especially during the ministry of the word? Did you shut off everything? Are you busy with your phones? That's how you dishonor God. And the servant of God. And the word of God. It doesn't matter what. When the word of God begins, put away everything. Because he who dishonors me, I will esteem him lightly. Honor at every level, even to a child. At their level. Honor is big in the kingdom of God. Because the problem is we are so set up with this democratic setup, we don't realize we are being translated into a kingdom. And in the kingdom, honor matters. Honor matters. Because honor and authority goes together. Authority flows top down. So goes honor. Take your democratic cap off. And if you saw the little clippings in BBC, though it's a constitutional monarchy, what does that say? Long live the king. The queen is dead. Long live the king. And the prime minister, who was the prime minister, the one who actually has the power, what does she do when he came to meet Kim, come and meet King Charles III when she entered in? She courtesied because she's a subject. She's not a citizen. That's a king. That's a king. And what was the first thing the parliament did? They all swear. The opposition leader, the prime minister, everyone swearing allegiance to the king. You think you're going to enter into heaven if you haven't sworn allegiance to the king? If you do not honor the king? He's king. King of kings and lord of lords. And honor is a big word in the word of God because honor and blessings follow. Romans 13 and verses 1 to 2. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So God has placed people in life, all our life. First over there is the government, the civil authorities. Honor them. We may be living in a democratic setup. We have the right to disagree with them, oppose their policies and all, but honor them. Don't dishonor them. Don't dishonor people out there. God has put the civil authorities. Then we all live in the social setup. The social setup is where you go to work and all that. There are authorities put over there. In First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all. Basically, if you are in a, working in an IT setup, you have your manager, he's worthy of honor. It doesn't matter his age, his background, his English, his qualification. It does not matter to you. If you are a child of God, give honor. Yes. 
I told you over and over. I've told you many times in the past years. When I first, when I, when I, when I worked in the secular realm in that country, because I had to work with the church, so I went and worked in the college. My student was my principal. I had taught him 10 years before that. But today he's my boss. And I never sat in his presence unless he asked me to sit down. He doesn't understand it. You tell me every time, James, sir, James, sit down. I will wait till he tells that. Why? Because right now, my God has put him over me as an authority. I don't have to have his beliefs. Honor him, I will. So was my wife's principle. I wouldn't sit, though he was an undercover Christian. I wouldn't sit in his presence. He would say, sit, 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 sit. But Sunday it was different. Sunday I was a pastor. My wife's principle was my congregation member. Now he sits down, I sit up. We changed roles very carefully. He knew on Sunday, I deserve the honor. Monday to Friday, he deserved the honor. Because honor is big in the kingdom. And those who don't honor, and I'm telling you, judgment will come. Meaning you lose your blessings. You lose your blessings. And they're in home. Home. Ephesians chapter 6. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Jacob had 10, 12 sons. Let us leave one aside, Benjamin aside. So let's say he had 11 sons. Benjamin is too small. 10 sons dishonored their father. And they just lived like that and just died like that. One son honored his father. One son honored his father. And therefore that one son would rise up in God's eyes. I'm not saying that you agree with you. Maybe many of your father and mother are unbelievers. They don't know anything that you know. Much more educated. You are much more educated. None of the things matter to God. Honor is something in the kingdom of God. Honor them. Not obey them. Children obey your parents. When you grow up, you are on your own. You don't have to obey them. Unless, especially if it disagrees with the word of God. Honor them. You must. And you don't them. The consequences will follow. Ephesians 5 and verse 23. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects or honors her husband. Honors her husband. Honors her husband. First Peter 3 verse 1 and 2. Even to the unsaved Wife with unsaved husband. Wives likewise be submissive to your own husband. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Because when they see their reverential behavior, they will be saved. They may be touched by God. But it says honor is important because these are not offices created by man. These are offices created by God. Every authority is created by God. So God tells children, that's where we begin, children, honor your father and mother. The next thing he tells the wife, honor your husband. And then in verse 7, he tells the husband, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to a weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So he tells the husband, you need to honor the wife differently, but you have to honor her. Otherwise, what will happen? 
I will not listen to your prayers. And most men, their prayers are blocked in their own homes. Because they don't honor their wives the way they should be. That's why last week also I said, can a wife disobey her husband? Yes, especially if he batters her. You need to get out and ask for help. Because he's not honoring her. If there are a lot of children who have come out of homes where they were abused by their own parents, sexually abused by their own parents, what you need to do, don't dishonor, but get out and ask for help. Don't dishonor. Don't dishonor. But you need to ask for help. Obey God. Obey God. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. In Genesis chapter 9, because one son dishonors his father, the curse goes into generations after him. You know about Ham? What Ham did to his father? He dishonored his father. And the father just cursed Canaan. And you know what? Hundreds of years later, God's son, Israel, would come in and finish Canaanites off. You know why it happened? Because a father was dishonored by the son and a curse came upon him. Because the father woke up and understood what his son had done to him. And he says, curse be Canaan. And Canaan was finished that day. These are truths in the Bible. So what do you do? The simple question is, as a pastor, what should you do if your parents are alive and you have dishonored them? Go and say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You look in the Bible, I'm telling you, children wept and cried for the blessings of their father. More than their mother, their father. And once the father had blessed, it was gone. He so wept. More than all the degrees occur in this world, the blessing of a father will stand for you in eternity. Understand the simple principles. These are simple principles. Okay. Fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, children. Unintended. But it works. Rebecca, Rebecca, I said, Jacob says, I am not like you, so my father may find And Rebecca said, you don't worry, let the curse be upon me. And that's it. The curse comes upon her. She fooled her husband. The son got the blessings, but she's cursed. A little later, you will see her narrative changes. I want to die. My life is worth nothing. What happened? Where did these thoughts come from? Because you cursed yourself. You cursed yourself. Let me ask you, you read your Bible. Do you hear about Rebecca after that? When did she die? Who buried her? Nothing. She's gone out of the picture. Such a wonderful start. What a sad finish. You know why? A curse. Jacob, Laban comes shooting. Why did you run away with my children and my grandchildren and everything? And why did you take my household idols? He said, I didn't take it. Let anyone who's founded with it Die! Who's sitting on it? Rachel. First, idolatry. One curse. Second, the husband said, whoever is found on it, let them die. A little later, what happens to her? She's dead. She's dead. Curses pronounced. Blessings pronounced. Okay. So don't give a cause. 
Even if your father curses you, don't give a cause. It will not land. It will not land. It will not land. Numbers 20 verse 12. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me or to honor me in the friend of this people, you will not enter. You will not enter. Go to Psalm 106, verse 32, 33. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses on account of them, because they rebelled against his spirit, so that he spoke rashly with his lips. Okay, but they may behave wrongly. Why did you speak rashly? Why did you speak rashly? You brought it. It is a self-inflicted wound. You spoke wrong. What did you say? Must you rebels? You rebels, must we bring water for you? God said, you did not hallow me. They are sinners. They are not rebels. That's not what I asked you to say. That's not what I told you to say. You spoke rashly. You did not honor me in the friend of the people. So he said, you know what? I love you. We shall speak face to face again also. But you are not entering into the kingdom, into the promised land. Honor. So quit. As the spirit of God shows, put these things right. And if all those people you dishonored are dead and gone, go to God and ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you. Because we need a smooth ride ahead. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. You know what God is saying? When you do not promptly, when the child is breaking the rule, don't discipline them. You are actually dishonoring them. You are teaching them to dishonor. You are teaching, you are putting in the seeds how he will go and dishonor. Especially with the little children. Don't try to give them counseling two days later. When they are breaking the rules set by you, when they break it, discipline them. Then. And be consistent. They'll get the message very fast. Counseling doesn't work with them. Counseling is not working with adults. How is it going to work with children? Proverbs 29.15 The rod and the rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You're not teaching them how to honor. You're not teaching them the fundamentals of the kingdom of God. You're mollycoddling them and encouraging their errant behavior. And God says it's not honor. They will bring dishonor. They will bring dishonor. If you have a doubt, look at the only man in the Bible called a man after God's own heart. First Kings chapter 1, 5 and 6. Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Verse 6. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. David never disciplined his Children. 
So almost all his children dishonored him except Solomon. Probably the only guy who got disciplined. He learned late. So he got one son who honored him. So cute. Smack him. Let his face be pink like his rear end. Why? Otherwise he will grow up and dishonor God. Dishonor God. You're short-circuiting their future. That's why it's so important. Parents, father and mother agree on this thing. The children are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. When he sees division in the house, he or she division in the house, he will slip through it. He will slip. That's why... There should be, that's why there is so, why is there so much division in marriages to destroy the next generation? Because devil knows how the kingdom works. The father and mother are divided, the children will be divided. They will go with flesh, whichever parent is flesh, I promise you, because your children are not born, born again. They are born as sinners. They will go with flesh, because they are flesh. That's why it is so important. One, you marry a believer. Two, you should be in agreement. In agreement about the things of God, the word of God, the building of the home. You should be in absolute agreement so that the children don't fall between the cracks. Because if one parent, either the father or the mother, is flesh, I promise you, nine out of ten chances, that child will go with the flesh. So don't be flesh. Because flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. It will not. Because these are kingdom principles. First Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. So the question is, and there are most of the issues in a home Usually irrelevant issues. They are not doctrinal issues. They are simple issues. So when there is a tie, who gives in? Who gives in? The strongest should give in. As long as it is not a doctrinal issue. Who should give in? That's how you honor the weaker vessel. North India, when I preach this, what do I tell them? आप तो स्टील की बर्तन हैं, आपकी बीवी सीसा के बर्तन हैं। सीसा के बर्तन ऐसे धोते हैं। You have to tell them in their rural rustic language. They enjoy it. स्टील के बर्तन हाँ पकड़ लो। स्टील की बर्तन ग्लास सीसा के बर्तन safe. How do you handle? How do you handle? And to the weaker vessel sitting here, please act weak. God said, you are weak. Believe it. <laughs> Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. Believe it. Make life easy for the stronger vessel. I heard a preacher talk from First Peter chapter 2. Let women be silent. He said something that was scary. He said, be silent, sisters. Otherwise your husband will find 
another silent one. <laughs> Who will listen to him? Maybe in his office. Maybe in his workplace. Somebody who is silent and listens to him. Now we are not saying being quiet. Silence means be quick to hear, slow to speak. And to both, even slower to anger. So this is God. He's a good God. He's taking us out of all the junk we did. The price was paid by Jesus. We just have to obey his voice. We are not hung on a tree. He was the one who was hung on a tree for our disobedience. So in First Peter chapter 2, 17, honor all people. So even the little ones deserve honor. Do you know that? They deserve an honor which is according to their age. Everybody deserves honor. In the kingdom of God, everybody deserves honor. So that's where we are. You can reverse any curse because he became a curse on the cross. And he receives, released the blessing of Abraham. Who is that? The spirit of God in us. Spirit of God in us. As I close, I haven't finished, okay? I mean, I'm finished, we're finishing for today. Something strange, okay, which God was showing me. It's a presumption. This is not doctrine. But when I presume, I do believe I could be right. I'm not saying I am right. I could be right. Why I say, if we repent and turn to Jesus Christ, any curse can be reversed. Any curse can be reversed. We can move into a place of blessing. Second Kings chapter 5, 27. Second Kings. Therefore the leprosy of Naman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from the presence, leprous as white as snow. This is Gehazi. He coveted gold. He coveted everything that was meant for Elisha. Elisha didn't want it. So he ran after Naman, fooled him, took it, hid it. And when he came to Elisha, Elisha said, where were you? My spirit went with you. He said, the leprosy that was on Naman, which shall be upon you and your descendants forever. How did he go out? Leprous. Second Kings chapter 7, 1 and 2. Famine in Samaria. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seer of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. What is that? A blessing. Famine is over. The man of God is saying. Verse 2. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if God would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. He says, instead of blessing, you will receive the curse. You will see it. You will not eat it. You will die. Verse 4. Now there were four lepers, leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Presumption. This is Gehazi and his three sons. They are out because they are lepers. Sitting out. Gehazi and his three sons. 
he has a culture of faith because he had served Elisha. So he said, why should we sit here? We go in, we will die. We go there, we may die, who knows. He goes in there. Things have happened. Camp is empty. They find so much and they said, how can we do this? People are dying inside. Let us go inside. Right? Chapter 8, verses 1. Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to his life. And arise and go, you and the household, stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. This was a rich Shunammite woman who saw a servant of God who had no need in her life and she honored him. There are different categories of people in the Bible who should be honored. And only with the servants of God is the word double used. That's why I keep telling you this Saturday we'll have pastors gone. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. How they come with their chapels and all, don't look at them. If that is a true servant of God, be very careful. How you deal with servant of God, be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Because you know what? If your father has cursed you, your mother has cursed you, your teacher has cursed you, all these people have caused curse to you, your boss has cursed you, the only authority on earth who has the power to break that curse is your pastor. Nobody else has that authority. He has that authority given by God to break it. And God says, let not his life be miserable. Bible says, because if he is miserable and by accident curses you, who will break it for you? In 25 years, I have only cursed one person. When he became insufferable. And he was trying to damage and destroy the church. I cursed one person. Till today, he's wandering. He went to jail multiple times. Lost every job he held. Became gay. Became gay. Wandered around. If he ever comes back to him, I'll forgive him and bless him. Another one tried something. Within a year, he died. Be careful. I only bless people. I never curse people. I'm telling you, these things are real. These things are real. Chapter 8. So here is a woman who honored Elisha. She experienced a miraculous birth. She experienced a resurrection. And a famine is coming. And famine is coming. The prophet comes to her house and tells her, get away. It's going to be famine. Seven years. Protection for somebody who honored the servant of God. Look at that, what happens. Arise, you go, you, your household, stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. Furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose, did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with the household, dwelt in the land of the Philistines. How many years? Seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal. What happened? If you are not in your place for seven years, somebody has occupied your place. Moreover, you have to pay the taxes, everything. She went to the king to appeal. For a house and for her land. Verse 4. 
Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me please all the great things Elisha has done. Wait a minute. A leper can never stand in the presence of a king. Leper can, even a king cannot stand if he's a leper, stand in the presence of people. How can a leper stand in the presence of our king? Somewhere along the way, Gehazi repented, turned to God, and he was cleansed, and he's now standing in the presence of the king. As every curse can be reversed if you turn to Jesus. Every curse. You can break it over your life and over your dissonance. Every curse can be reversed. Because of Christ, they look forward to the blood of the Passover lamb. We look backward the blood of God's own lamb. Can be broken. That is where faith comes. And it is God. It's just God. When Elisha Gahasi is talking to the king about all these things, that's the time he was talking about this woman who burst and resurrection. That's the time the woman comes over there. And Gahasi says, oh, that's the lady. The king appointed a special officer to see that she got her land back and she was cancelled from paying the taxes. You know why all that happened to her? Only one reason. She honored a servant of God. Not because she got anything. Because she saw a servant of God passing by her house and she honored him. Honor matters in the kingdom of God. He who honors me, I will honor him. He who honors who has come in my name, I will. If you honor a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Even if you honor a child for my name's sake, God says, you'll receive a reward. It's built into the kingdom of God. Don't dishonor. Obey in the Lord. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. This is what I have to tell you this morning. Sometimes you do not know when it will come. God has his appointed time. 18 years, according to theologians, there was a young man from a rich farmer called Elisha. For 18 years, (coughs) his only testimony was he who poured water over Elijah's hands. He honored Elijah. Never dishonored him. He honored him as a prophet. He honored him as a servant of God. He honored him as a spiritual father. When the time came, he would receive a double portion of his spirit because his entire 18 years was one line. He poured water over Elijah's hands. When Jehoshaphat says, isn't there a prophet? He says, yeah, there is Elisha who poured. That's all they saw him. They didn't realize this man was living his life honoring the servant of God. And when the time came, God says, that's a man who will take the mantle. David was over a very harsh, wicked authority about him who sought to literally kill him. But he never dishonored him. Never dishonored him. That's why God says he's a man after my own heart. His own soldiers said, this is the opportunity from God, kill him. He said, no, I will not touch him. I will not touch him. 
So keep these things in mind. Keep these things in mind. When Jacob stole his rightful blessing, you know what? It was not a blessing. It became a curse. Because the blessing was this. The elder shall serve the younger. That was the actual blessing. But when he told I am the elder, then the young elder became the younger. For 20 years he was serving in fear Esau. So when he hears Esau is coming, he's trembling in fear. There is no blessing over his life. He's cursed. He's walking under a curse. That's why God comes and wrestles with him. And he says, it is daybreak. Let me go. What does Jacob say? Unless you bless me. God says, before I can bless you, I need to break the curse over your life. I'm the only one who can break it because you are actually cursed by your father. When you deceived him. The only one who has the power to break it is me. So he asks him, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. Why? Because 20 years earlier, you had told your father, my name is Esau. One final verse, Matthew 26 and verse 71. This is our apostle Peter. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was Jesus of Nazareth. Can I have verse 72? Verse 72. Listen to Peter. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Actually the verse is somewhere down, we don't have the time. Okay, he says, he cursed and denied Jesus. Finished, he's finished, he's done. So Jesus comes and asks Peter, do you love me? These are called self-imposed curses against his spiritual authority. Do you love me? He said, Lord, I know. Again he asks, do you love me? Lord, you know. He just answered, do you love me? Yes. Why? Because he had denied him three times. Three times. And then he restores him. Feed my lambs. Take care of them. Because if he is not broken, the curse is not broken, there would be no apostolic ministry of Peter. It's finished. And it's a lot of people struggle under curses, self-proclaimed curses, cursed by others, or the general curse that came over a mankind. And there is Jesus who hung on the cross and set us free. So this morning, this is a process. We are going through a process. Going through a process. Okay. Learn to go into your prayer closet and ask the Lord, would you show me? I want to break free. I said there is a way out. Of course there is a way out. It's the most difficult and the easiest way. That's the way Paul found. Because if Jesus became the curse on the cross for us, it also says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So in Galatians 2.20, Paul will go and says, you know what? But yeah, I mean, this is what he says. I am crucified with Christ Jesus. The life that I love, I, nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is the only man in recorded history in the Bible who knew how to die completely and allow Christ to live. Therefore, no curse would work on him. The day you die, learn to die and to live like that. Curses pass over you. Only blessings work because you died in Christ and Christ is not cursed. He became a curse 
but he is not cursed. He became sin. He was not a sinner. That's why the first thing every man, woman, child should do is wake up in the morning and die so that you can love. Wake up in the morning and die. Go to the altar and say, Lord, would you please kill me so that you can love. You are free. You watch out for that day. You are free that day. You will experience the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Because where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. You are free. Absolutely free. That is the life to which we are called. Life of liberty. No curses. And the blessings of God flow through us. That is Joseph. Joseph is like the plant or the bow that has been planted by the waters whose branches go over the wall. He was a blessing to himself. He was a blessing to his home. He was a blessing to the household. He was a blessing to Egypt. And he was a blessing to all the nations that came to him. Why? You look at him. What was the reason? Wherever he went, he honored him. He honored his father. He honored Potiphar. Never dishonored him. Never tried to defend himself. He didn't want to put the master to shame by telling what his wife did. He honored and covered the sins of his master's wife. He shut his mouth, zipped his lip in the prison. He honored the prison warden. And when he stands before the Pharaoh, he honored Pharaoh. But through it all, he honored God. So he became a blessing like no man in history. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to thank you. We still keep learning what Jesus became for us on the cross. He became cursed for us so that the blessings of the Father through him would flow into our lives. As a child, as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as an employee, as a, every facet of society, you want to bless us and make us a blessing. And I pray, Lord, each one will find in their prayer closet face to face with you. Oh, Father, what is holding them back? What is keeping the blessings of God from their lives? But today, Lord, I stand in the gap as your servant. And I break every curse over every person, Lord. Generally, that's all I can do. Every curse pronounced over their lives by other authorities in their life, I pray, Father, I break it in the name of Jesus. And I release the blessings of the living God over their lives, so Father. That there will be first and foremost reconciliation in their hearts with God and reconciliation with one another. I speak peace into every heart, every life, every home, every household. For you left your peace with us. Pray the peace of God would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we would learn to walk in the blessings of God, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Believing what we have spoken and what we have heard, we now lift up holy hands. Now, Father, we choose to bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, Lord. And we proclaim in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. 
And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, Amen, Amen.